Well, today we're continuing on in part two of a series that we're titling Thankful. Uh, it's a, a series that we are doing to bookend the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, and last week, Andrew uh, taught us from Psalm chapter 16, and he reminded us that a thankful heart chooses contentment over consumption. Can we thank Andrew for the message he gave last week? Just a great job. So thankful for him. Today, we're going to continue in Psalm chapter 16, looking at the second half of this beautiful psalm that David writes. And where we learned last week about contentment, this week we're going to learn this, that a thankful heart can only find lasting contentment in God's presence. And in order to experience that today, uh, you're not going to hear from me. You're going to hear from three communicators uh, that we've been uh, developing here um, at our church. Uh, you may not know this, uh, but your generosity actually allows us to create a de development and leadership cohort environments. And so I lead a communicators cohort with about eight uh, people in our church that are learning uh, and developing their teaching gift. And then I also lead a leadership cohort with a business leader here in our community where we're really focusing on engaging and developing young leaders uh, under the age uh, of 30. And God's been incredibly kind and gracious to, to raise up some great leaders here in our church. And so we are a church that's passionate about helping emerging leaders find their fit, grow in their skills, and really create environments for them uh, to live a lifelong uh, reality of faithfulness to Jesus. And today is a great way for us to be able to participate in that. We do something called 3 in 30 every now and then here at our church. We're going to hear from three of these communicators. They each have about 10 minutes to teach, and they're going to cover the rest of Psalm chapter 16. And so here's your, here's your job. Here's your responsibility today, okay? Your job is to be the greatest cheering section of all time, all right? Your job is to lean in and believe that God has a word for you because I've heard these messages and God is going to speak to you through one or all of these communicators today. So your job is to lean in and learn as God speaks to you. Second, to be the greatest encourager you could possibly be. Uh, public speaking is still uh, the thing that people are the most afraid of doing. And so today, just be grateful you're not the one that has to do this, all right? So, so encourage them, celebrate them, laugh with them, and uh, allow this time to be a time where we all grow uh, together. Uh, Psalm chapter 16, verse 7 to 11 will be the verses that we look at today. I'm going to read those verses and introduce our first communicator for the day. Psalm 16 says this, I will praise the Lord. Who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Well, to kick us off today, we're going to be hearing from Dominic Jenkins. Dominic uh, is the campus pastor at a Christian college here in Central Florida. Uh, he provides oversight to the spiritual development of college students as they pursue a future in vocational ministry uh, or in a future in business. And we are really grateful that he's here with us today. Dominic's attended our church for just over a year, uh, but I've known him for over a decade. Would you put your hands together and make a lot of noise for Dominic Jenkins. <laughs> okay. 
Thank you, thank you. Uh, when I uh, lived in North Carolina, every Friday, as sort of a way to celebrate uh, the end of a week, I would go and get this humongous cupcake from this cupcake shop. And these cupcakes were incredible. They were so stinking good. Uh, however, I also would go because one of my friends at the time uh, was working at this cupcake cake shop. And so we would just kind of sit around and, and hang out, and, and she was just really great and awesome. Uh, but what I began to notice was uh, my quick little couple of minutes of going in and grabbing uh, the cupcake uh, started to get a little bit longer as I started to spend some more time with my friend. And so um, her and I, we just kind of would hang out and, and, and relax and just kind of catch up and talk and kind of get to know each other. And one thing that was interesting was I noticed that that, uh, she was was just so caring and so kind to the customers. As they would come in, she would have a really big smile and not only ask what kind of cupcake they would want, but she would also ask how their day was going. And so I got to kind of get a glimpse of her character and kind of who she was. And the more time that I would see that character, I, I wanted to spend more time with her. I wanted to be in her presence. And so thankfully, thank, thank the Lord, all right, um, I ended up going on a date with her, and uh, we are now engaged, and we're going to get married in April, which is awesome. Yeah, so um, very excited about that. I share that story because sometimes when we are aware of somebody's character, we want to be in their presence more. When we're aware of somebody's character, we want to be with them more. I think in our psalm today, when we're looking at the life of David, we see that when David was aware of God's character, it made him want to be in God's presence. When David was aware of God's character, his nature, how good he was, he wanted to be in God's presence. And so this morning, I have the opportunity to kind of lay the foundation for us as we listen to our two other communicators and so my, my goal really today is just to give you guys three simple truths about God's character that hopefully we can build our lives on in order for us to have a content life. And so what I want to do is I just want to lay the foundation. We're going to get this from David and kind of what he thinks God is and who God is. And that's going to kind of help us to, to, to walk through this season as we get into Christmas. I'm excited for that. So the first thing that you need to know about God's character is this. God knows us. God knows us. In Psalm 7, it says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. You see, the God that we serve, he is a counselor. God's word says that, that he is somebody who is excellent in wisdom. That he is somebody who, who knows us intimately and deeply. And this is incredible because sometimes the counselors that maybe we have... They're limited because they only get the information that we give to them. So the counselors that, that maybe we see, they're limited by what we tell them, but not with God. With God, he knows everything about us, which means that he's able to not only tell us what's going on, but he's able to lead us down the correct path that we need to go down. God knows us. It's a part of his character. Number two is this, God is for us. On the second part of that verse, it says, even at night, my heart instructs me. David invites the Lord to be an instructor in his life. Now, what's an instructor? 
They, they do two things really well. Instructors do two things well. They, they give praise when you do things well, and then they correct when you mess up. They give praise when you do things well, and then they correct when you mess up. In Proverbs, it says this, Proverbs 3, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. God is for us. He wants what's best for us. It's similar to like a coach. Are you guys, any of you guys watching the World Cup right now? Anyone keeping up? Yes. So Germany is going to be playing. That is, that is my uh, team. I'm excited to see them win. Um, so um, I'm excited for that. But when I think about uh, these athletes, I think about how their coaches had to train them. And they had to tell them, hey, you're doing this really well. Let's keep doing that. But when they messed up, they had to say, hey, you messed up. We need this to be better. It's the same way with God. God is for us. He's for us. Lastly is this. God is with us. In verse 8, it says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. David is confident in the Lord's presence. He understands that God does not leave him. That no matter where life takes him, God is always standing beside him. And it's the same truth for us. No matter where we go in life, God is with us. As we move into this Christmas season, we're going to be talking about Emmanuel, God with us. The best picture of God being with us is through Jesus Christ. God came in the form of a man in order to walk and to dwell among you and I. And that's something that I think we should be grateful for. So three things, simple truths. God knows us. God is for us. And God is with us. Thank you, Dom. Thank you, Dom. Well, our next communicator is Courtney Joseph. Uh, Courtney is the vice president of mobilization for a global nonprofit uh, here in our city. She's been attending Nona for about four and a half years, and I'm so excited that you get to hear from her today. Would you put your hands together for Courtney Joseph? Well, I love that Dominic laid out that foundation for us of what is true. God knows us, God is with us, and God is for us. It's such a simple yet incredible truth that's probably easiest to believe when we find ourselves gathered around a campfire worshiping together or, or standing on a mountaintop looking out at a, a vast landscape. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that they experience God the most in the midst of nature. That's true for me too. I'm a runner and I love just experiencing the joy and presence of Jesus as I'm in the middle of the forest out on a trail run. And I think it's so important that we set aside these times to really just sit with Jesus. And yet, this can sometimes lead us to this dangerous lie that we can believe that God is only with me when things look good. Uh, on that glorious mountaintop, or as I'm gazing into that blazing fire. But what about when things don't look good, when we find ourselves in the midst of a valley? 
We know that God is always with us, right? We know that his, he has promised his presence. But what happens when what we know is not what we feel? The reality is that sometimes God will actually lead us into a dry and desert place. So what then? What do we do with that? When Colin first asked me to speak on this idea of contentment, I actually did not think that I was the right person for it. Um, I actually haven't found myself to be incredibly grateful lately. Instead, I have found myself to be in this season of discontentment. That's a pretty bold thing to say in front of your entire church on a Sunday morning. But I say that to say that I am not sharing this with you as someone who has come out on the other side as this perfectly peaceful, joyful, contented person. But rather, I am sharing this as someone who is really just in the midst of that wrestle with God. As someone who is experiencing him and the truth that he is sharing with me now, even in love. So there's this, there's this uncertainty in, in the midst of major life changes that causes a tension inside of me. And as I wrestle through that tension, sometimes it can look like a really healthy grieving process. And sometimes it can look like deep discontentment. And perhaps you have felt that at different seasons of life. Maybe you're even feeling it right now. The death of a dream. Something that you had long hoped for. Whether that's deep community or marriage, parenthood. And perhaps you're feeling stuck right now wanting the circumstances in your life to change, but unable to do anything about it. Whatever your current circumstances are, or whatever that's looked like for you, life just felt bleak, like, like a, a desert wasteland, a wilderness. So a few months ago, during a quiet time, I was reading through the book of Hosea. And this is a book about God's covenant with his people, their idolatry and sinfulness, and then his ultimate restoration of them. And as Hosea was prophesying about what would soon happen to the Israelites, their destruction and, and demise and his restoration of them, he uses this imagery that the Israelites probably would have remembered based on the stories that they had heard of their ancestors wandering in the desert as they came out of Egypt. And so there, in that ancient desert wilderness, God was reminding his people of who they are and who he is. And so, as Hosea is prophesying about what will come, God is reminding his people that though they are entering into a wilderness themselves, that he would again restore them. So as I was reading, I was really struck by Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And it says this, God says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards. There's something about the wilderness all throughout Scripture 
Though it's this barren and harsh environment, we see over and over again that this is actually the place where God prepares his people. Abram leaves his country and his kindred, his family's household to go uh, to where God where God would lead him into the wilderness, to the land that he would prepare for him. He leaves a known, comfortable place. When God leads his people out of Egypt, he allows them to wander in the desert for 40 years, preparing them for the place that he has for them. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness preparing for his ministry. Even Paul spent time in preparation in the desert. And in his book, The Way of the Heart, by Henry Nouwen. highly recommend this book. He says that the desert is the furnace in which transformation takes place. This wilderness, though barren and, and uncomfortable, this is a very important place where God does significant work in us. And so as I read those words in Hosea chapter 2, I sensed God saying to me, Am I not enough even in this place? Am I, could I not still grow vineyards in the midst of this wilderness? Could I not still cause flourishing? I want to be careful to say that this idea of flourishing does not mean, and, and all my hopes and dreams that I had had for my life will now come true because I'm flourishing now. But rather that as everything that was comfortable, feels like it is just being stripped away, that this flourishing indicates a joy, a contentment that comes from him alone. And so this gives us really helpful context as we look at the next two verses in Psalm 16. Verses 9 and 10 say, therefore my heart is glad And my tongue also rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. That sounds like a pretty bleak thing to rejoice over, right? (laughs) I mean, like, well, yeah, God, at least you won't abandon me to hell. But... Sometimes it actually, fe- it actually feels like that is all we have. Like, like all I have to cling to is knowing that you won't abandon me to the place of death. But even that, that is actually enough. That is actually something that we can rejoice over, that the God of all creation has promised his presence in all things. Guys, we serve a king who did not see equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself to take on the form of a servant, to live with us, teach us, die for us, experienced separation from God so that we never had to. He spent three days in the grave and rose again so that we would never be without his presence. He is in the business of restoring all things. We serve a God who makes vineyards in the wilderness. And so I can rejoice that he will not abandon me. 
About a year ago, I was on the phone with a mentor of mine, and she asked me a very curious question. She said, Courtney, what does the landscape of your, of your heart look like right now? It was kind of, I kind of thought that was a flowery question. It was kind of weird. And maybe you think that too. But bear with me for a second because I actually think this is such a helpful question for us to ponder that really allows, that invites Jesus in to take an inventory of our souls and where we are at right now. So if you would close your eyes with me for a moment and picture it with me. If you were to describe it, what would the landscape of your heart look like right now? Are there rolling hills and a babbling brook with birds chirping in the air? Is it a foreboding mountain that honestly looks way too tall and steep to climb? Are there storms coming? Are you flailing your arms in the middle of an ocean? Is it a barren, dry wasteland? Now I want you to imagine that Jesus is standing there with you in the very midst of it. He is not far off, but he is walking beside you. What is he saying to you as you walk together? What is he doing? If your landscape looks like a desert, perhaps you see him planting seeds, preparing the soil for new life. If you find yourself drowning in the midst of an ocean, perhaps you see him silencing the waves and bringing calm to you and keeping you afloat. If you're climbing a mountain, imagine him showing you where to place your hands and holding them steady as you do. You can open your eyes. Our big idea today is that a thankful heart can only find lasting contentment in God's presence. And so when what we know does not match how we feel, when, when we feel like we are in the midst of a wilderness, let our hearts be glad. Let us rejoice because we have access to an inner sense of peace despite our circumstances. Let us remember that our bodies rest secure, for our God will not abandon us to the place of death. And whatever the landscape of your heart looks like today, whether it's that cozy bonfire, that, that tall mountaintop, or a dry desert wilderness, he is standing with you there in the midst of it. He is with us to the very end of the age. We have a God who turns wilderness into vineyards. Thank you, Courtney. Well, to bring us home, we're going to hear from J.B. Ramos. J.B. and his wife, Bianca, lead the young adult ministry here. J.B. works for a for-profit company uh, here in the city and is a part of our communication cohort. Would you put your hands together for J.B. Ramos? So 
in the middle of my freshman year of high school, I realized something that changed my life forever. I realized that I needed glasses. Uh, or should I say my friends realized that I needed glasses. Uh, they would point at things in the blurry distance, and they would look at me squinting to figure out what exactly it was they were looking at. Um, I didn't realize how much I squinted until my friends actually called me out on it. So naturally, I went home, and I told my mom that I needed glasses. My mom wears glasses, so it was like, no problem. My dad should wear glasses, but he's one of those guys that's like, I only need my glasses to read. And I'm like, that's a pretty important thing to need glasses for. You should probably wear them more often. Um, but I digress. Uh, my mom went ahead and scheduled an appointment with an optometrist, and sure enough, my vision was confirmed pretty bad, uh, especially my left eye. It's, it's not great. Um, so not too long after, my new glasses were ready. Excited, I put them on and was pretty amazed to see how much clearer everything was. It's like when you're watching a YouTube video on your phone on like a spotty network and it's like in 480p versus when you're at home and you can cast that like MKBHD video in like crispy 4K. It's such a stark difference. Uh, it turns out I was missing a lot. Uh, missing a lot that I didn't even realize. And I wonder if we miss out on God's presence because we don't have the right lenses on too. Know this, that the lens in which we see God's presence is through grace. So keep that thought in mind as we look at verse 11. Verse 11 reads like this. It says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with your joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. When we are looking at this verse, we can very easily divide it up into three parts. And all three of these parts are true in God's presence. We have the path of life becomes known. There is fullness of joy. And then thirdly, there are eternal pleasures. Again, all of these being true in his presence. So let's start out with that first one. The path of life becomes known. David is very clear here that in God's presence, the path of life becomes known, meaning that this is not a presence-adjacent situation. You need to be in it. So what, is, what does that even mean to be in it? I think Andrew did a wonderful job last week elaborating on this with verse 2 of this chapter, where being in God's presence is surrendering to his lordship. That lordship is his authority, which is the right to do what he wants, his control, the ability to do it, and his presence, the ability to do it everywhere. Living under God's lordship will reveal the path of life. When I got my glasses in ninth grade, I all of a sudden became aware of the things that I didn't know were there. I became aware of what I was missing out on. If we don't have the correct lenses to become aware of God's presence, we will miss out on the pleasures that are available to us. And sadly, we wouldn't even know it. The second part of this verse is that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Emphasis on the word fullness there. There's fullness of joy. Think for a moment of a time where you experienced joy. Most recently for me, it's getting home after a long day's work and seeing a smile on my three-month-old daughter's face. It could honestly be like her crying, whatever. It's just like, I'm so excited to see her. Like, it's, it's wild. It's my first kid, so it's a big deal. <laughs> um, and so think for a moment. Let's do this together. If you will, take a deep breath. Breathe in through your nose. 
and out through your mouth, exhale. It's scientifically proven to like set you at ease for a minute. Uh, now think of a moment where you felt joy. It's possible it was just this past weekend where you're with family and friends around a Thanksgiving table. Maybe there was an inside joke being thrown around and it brought up some old memories. Maybe you accomplished a personal goal that nobody else knows about and that makes you feel fulfilled. Maybe you were vulnerable to someone and they showed you love and grace. Now, wouldn't it be incredible to live in that moment eternally? That, my friends, is what God is offering to us. Fullness in his presence. Thirdly, David tells us that in his presence are eternal pleasures. That is satisfaction, happiness, forever. And this is not a hyperbole. This is not an exaggeration. This is absolutely true. So many of us here have had experiences with God's presence. It's possible that that happened in a rough moment in your life where you were desperately seeking his voice and he actually responded. Or it was the la maybe the last time you felt his presence was when your prayer routine was at its healthiest. But it's possible that right now you find yourself in the in-between where the last time you felt his presence was probably a little while ago and you're kind of in that in-between as to when that presence is gonna come around again. But I have something to tell you. The presence of God isn't this hidden, ambiguous thing that we need to wait for a special moment to acquire because he invites us to become aware of it on a daily basis. And it, even when we've been aware of it before, we could take off our glasses and suddenly everything's a little blurry again. And it's possible that maybe, maybe those glasses aren't cool anymore. I'm sure not wearing my glasses from ninth grade. Those things are pretty outdated. But for those of you that do wear glasses, you know that over time, you know, your eyes change a little bit, and it might be time to re-up that prescription. we got to readjust our eyes to see what we could be missing out on. And the same is true in Christ. We can become very complacent in what we're seeing right now, thinking that that is all that there is, when there are so many things that he is trying to reveal to us, if we would just attune ourselves to that. Remember that the lens in which we see God's grace or God's presence is through grace. And yet we still get distracted by these temporary joys, these fleeting pleasures. So why do we do that? And it's because, unfortunately, it's, it's really easy to take grace for granted. So how have you been seeing the world? Have you been seeing the world through grace or through your own eyes? It can be really hard to find contentment when we're only seeing part of the picture. But with grace, everything becomes clearer. And here's something that I know that I'd like to share with you. It's when you experience something amazing, don't you want to just share it? Like when my wife and I go out to dinner or if I try like a new recipe and I get that seasoning like just right, my, my first response is just, babe, you got to try this. Like... This is that good. And the same can be said about his presence. His presence is that good. It is worth being joyous about because you will be full with his presence. As Andrew shared last week, David began the psalm crying out for help from God because he was in the midst of a struggle. He was not focused on what he did not have. Instead, 
He chose thankfulness for what he was, has already received. You can be in the midst of a struggle and be thankful. Your stock portfolio might not be looking great, but you can be thankful. That crypto wallet has probably seen some better days, but we could choose to be thankful, right? <laughs> when you experience life and use the lenses of grace that God has provided to us, because God's presence is always there. We just need to become more aware. And we do that by remembering God's grace. Because God's grace is that he knows you, he is with you, and that God is for you. Amen. Well, hey, I hope that today God has spoken to you from his word. Can we thank our communicators one more time? Thank them. Uh, and as, a, as we conclude our service, would you just stand up with me? Would you stand up with me? We really do believe that anytime God's word is open, that the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to speak to us. God wants to meet us. And so I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes now as we respond. Uh, we're gonna take a moment to sing here in just a moment. But before we get there, uh, here's, the, here's the question I might ask you with your eyes closed. What is your next step from what you've heard this morning? Perhaps for some of us, the deeper question is, how have you been seeing the world lately? Have you been seeing the world through the lens of your circumstances or through the lens of grace? Perhaps you've forgotten that God is with us, that he is for us, and that he's good. So I want to take a moment before we respond and ask you that question. How have you been seeing the world lately? If you would have to admit, man, I'm, I've been seeing the world through my circumstances, then that admission is a reality that you're not seeing life clearly. But what's so good about the good news is that every single moment is an opportunity to place on the lenses of grace so that we might see our world as God sees it. So if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to simply open your hand as a sign to yourself, as a sign to God, as a physical response to what's going on in your heart, to say, God, I need to see the world the way you're seeing it. I need to see my situation through the lens of grace. And if that's you, just open your hand now. So I'm going to take a moment to pray for you. Father, I pray that for those of us that have been crippled by our circumstances, lacked clarity because we've seen life through our own eyes instead of the lens of grace, that God, you would awaken us to these truths today, that you know us, that you know us, the deep longings of our heart, that God, you are for us, that you want what is best for us, and you work to that end, and that you're with us, and that God, awareness of your presence can lead to lasting contentment in our life. These are the things we pray and believe today. In Jesus' name, amen.